You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we got to thank you for tuning in because the Colts have just lost their fifth straight game after dropping one Monday night to the Chargers. We're going to do a quick game summary. We'll discuss takeaways from that game. Um, we'll look at where the Colts stand in the draft order, and we'll also discuss general manager Chris Ballard after Jim Mercer came out and said that he's going to stick with Ballard moving forward. Before we get into all that, Mike, how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's almost 30 degrees outside. What can be bad? I know. We got a, we got a heater going. <laughs> I tell you, I, I, I'm at the point in my life that j- just pick a temperature. J- just pick. <laughs> pick 20, pick 30. You're in the wrong state for that, no, Mike. No, but, I mean, five one day and ten below, you know, it's out of our control, so just kind of deal with it. Yeah, that's right. There's a, a lot of things happening out of the Colts control Monday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Four 9-1 Colts hosted the 8-6 and six Chargers. Chargers, it was a big game for them because if they won – they clinched a playoff spot, and they sure got the W. Nick Foles making his first start as an Indianapolis Colt, and I got to say it was an ugly one. Indy's first four offensive possessions resulted in a three and out, an interception, another interception, and then another three and out. But DeForest Buckner and the Indianapolis Colts' defense came to play. The Chargers go three and out, interception, and three and out on their first three possessions, The rookie Rodney Thomas catching a deflection for his team-leading third interception of the year. Midway through the second quarter, it's still a 0-0 ball game. But then the Chargers offense gets something going. Los Angeles orchestrates a 13-play, 70-yard drive, converted three third downs on that drive, including a third and 13. Austin Eckler capped off the drive with a one-yard touchdown. That's 7-0 Chargers. The Colts responded with a drive of their own. Indianapolis goes 60 yards in eight plays, but only make it to the Chargers 27 for Chase McLaughlin field goal. That's 7-3. to three. A little over four minutes before the half, and the Chargers use every last second. Herbert and company drive deep into Colts' territory, but the defense ultimately is able to force a field goal. 10-3 to three at the half. Things didn't get any better from there. Colts' first drive, Foles throws another interception, just clearly not seeing the field very well out there Monday. Uh, Turnover leads to a Chargers field goal to make it 13-3. Indianapolis' defense, you got to give them credit, they kept the team uh, in the ball game for most of this one, a strip sack by DeForest Buckner and Dio Dangbo set the Colts up at LA's 21 but Indianapolis couldn't do anything with it. The Colts turned the ball, or, ball over on downs after an unsuccessful QB sneak on fourth and one. Very next drive, Chargers march 88 yards, finish uh, the 12-play drive with a one-yard Eckler touchdown, his second of the night. That's 20-3 to three with eight minutes remaining. And if you shut the game off at this point, you didn't miss anything. The Colts turned the ball over on downs two more times to end the ball game. Final score, twenty to three. Mike, were you, were you able to stay awake during this one? Yeah, because I feel an obligation to post something on our website. <laughs> so it, it's and also I I, I kind of like to watch 
car accidents as long as there's no fatalities involved or injuries. So, and that's what this season's gotten to be. Uh, through your rundown, I mean, fourth and sort of less than one at the 12-yard line. And I don't care if you've got the, the best offensive line, the worst offensive line, whatever. Goodness gracious, make make fourth and one, fourth and inches. I mean, this, this kind of, and we'll get into it, but this just shows that it's not the quarterback. You know, the, none of these guys are the answer. But there, really, there's other problems, and and who knows? Let's say Foles comes up with the sneak, and they make it, and it's first and ten at the eleven or whatever it would have been, and maybe they score, maybe they don't. But at least they had a chance. I mean, it was only what thirteen to three. Yeah, so, I mean, it was an interesting call to go for it. You kick a field goal, and it makes it a one score ball game. Yeah, but but I think I I would have done that because I think his approach was is. I'm not sure when, when we're going to get back down here. You know, it's easy to Good get point. It, it can get in position for another long field goal, but but you, you convert that and and doggone, you you've got a chance. You've got a more more than a puncher's chance. You know, let's say it's 13 to 10, and and it it's been so easy to criticize this defense the last few weeks. 33 points at Dallas. Oh, but by the way, there were four offensive turnovers the, the the game in minnesota that that's there's a, there's absolutely no way you can defend the defense at all but by and large this i tell you if they brought this defense back for next year i would have no problem you'd want to add a few spots but but this defense has played winning playoff caliber football it has and yes there's times you scratch your head and you get po'd because they give up a game-winning drive against Pittsburgh or Philly and all that. But let's keep in mind that it's gotten zero, zero support from this offense. And at, at some point, the other team makes plays because, because they do. If this offense had just been a smidgen better, you know, I'm not talking 30 points a game. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking 20 points, 23 points a game. So, again, this was another game where the defense played his rear ends off. I tell you, Dio and, and, and Buck and those guys, I thought they played, you know, the, the linebackers played well. But at some point, there's only so much you can do. So, I, I, I really like this defense. I think Gus has done a really good job. Yes, there's things they can do better. But by and large, you know, Grover Stewart and all these guys, Zaire. But when you can't convert, fourth on less than one two weeks in a row two games in a row it just tells you where this offense is and we'll get to it later i saw you have a note is this offense broken this offense is broken yeah it's broken all right uh, another point on the defense i mean they made plays on justin herbert they forced two turnovers of herbert they sacked him four times that's, that's 11 you that's 11 sacks in two weeks you look up the colts are six in the nfl in sacks unbelievable because if you if the eye test says no because you because it's not been that steady pressure third down you know I, I go back to Tyler Heineke having you know three days to, to let Terry McLaren get open and but but the stats are going to say this was a pretty good pass rush I think we know better but again I, I like overall what this defense has done need new windows 
Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with that hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. All right, Mike, let's get into these bright and perky takeaways here. Nick Foles, clearly not the answer. 17 of 29 for 143 yards, three awful interceptions. I mean, it's one thing, like Herbert threw an interception, it was tipped up in the air, whatever. The Foles' picks were just not even close. They were either way off target. Probably all three of them never should have been thrown in the first place. Um, two of them came within the span of six plays. No, by the way, he was sacked seven times as well. Um, will the Colts make another change at quarterback? Well, Jeff Saturday says, I don't think making another change at this moment is going to do much to spark it. And then he doubled down today on Tuesday by uh, saying that they're going to stick with Nick Foles. Mike, it it probably doesn't matter who the Colts put back there at this point. I mean, I think Matt Ryan probably is the best of the three, but none of them are getting the job done. Yeah, and it's it's pretty obvious to me that it's going to take an injury to to Nick Foles for Sam Ellinger to get on the field. You know, I mean, Jeff Sarri was asked about that again today, and he – all of the things he said about Sam were sort of like when, when you ask your buddy who went on a blind date how it went, and, and, all, and all he says is she had a great personality. She had, <laughs> she had a great sense of humor. Well, you know, so I, it, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And the only, like you said, I don't think it matters. It, it doesn't matter right now who's quarterbacking. You put Peyton Manning in there, and it, this is still a, a dysfunctional offense. But I'll float this out there. Do they are they in the process now of determining whether Nick Foles can be that veteran bridge next year? He's under contact through contract through next year. They're going to draft a, a, a start or a, a rookie quarterback, hopefully first round, maybe second round. But yeah, you know, they've got to come out of the draft with a guy that they believe is the guy. They just have to. And more than likely, that guy won't be day one ready. So it, it's pretty – I'm convinced that Matt Ryan won't be back, and I can give you 17 million reasons why, along with 18 turnovers. Uh, so maybe they have to decide, is Nick Foles capable of, of, of giving you something competitive next year offensively? And it may be the fact that he's like, no. They'll see enough where they know he's not the case. And I'm not going to defend Nick Foles at all. Those interceptions were awful, awful. But once again, they have put a guy in a position to fail. They did it with Parks Frazier. They did it with Jeff Saturday. They did it with Sam Ellinger. They sort of did it with Bernard Ryman, although I agree with what they're doing there. But keep in mind, the first time Nick Foles took snaps with the first unit 
was Wednesday, last Wednesday. So he basically had three days to get in tune with his receivers, and at least one of those, the deep ball to, to was it to Jelani Woods, and I don't know whether they were on their different page or whatever, but there's absolutely no way that you can have any comfort with your receivers. Can't do it. So it, 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 it I, the only thing I can, I can believe is that they're trying to find out is, is can Nick Foles be the guy next year? But as we said many times, right now it doesn't matter who they, they, they have at quarterback because all three guys have been given a chance. And, and like you said, and I agree with you, the, the best option is Matt Ryan. And it's going to take really bad situation for him to get on the back on the field. And we may have seen the last of Matt Ryan in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. That'd be a, a tough way to go out for Matt Ryan, who's had such a great career. Um, but w- especially when you consider his contract situation, if he gets a serious injury towards the end of the year, the rest of his contract for next season is guaranteed. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's the he's he's going to get eighteen million dollars regardless. That's what the contract calls for. But if he's on the roster, I think it's on the second or third day of the new league year, which is early March. Then I'm positive that another $17 million is guaranteed, and they can't do that. Yeah, got to get that money back. You can easily invest that into some other places on the team to make your roster better because the Colts, at least on offense, seem to – they they need a lot of help. This offense has been historically bad. Monday was the third time in franchise history the Colts failed to convert a third down the entire game. They were 0 for 10. Teams have failed to convert – uh, any third downs in three games this season, and the Colts have accounted for two of them. They were 0 for 14 in New England earlier this year. And he also failed to score a touchdown for the fourth time this season. That, 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 this, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> no touchdowns in four games. Yeah, it was the first time I, no- I noticed in your article you uh, had the acute stat that first time since 1993 the Colts didn't score a touchdown in four-plus games. The offense... Uh, mustered up just 173 total yards, six fewest in the NFL this season. And the Colts also have the second fewest in the NFL, again, at New England. Another tough day uh, for this franchise. On the season, the Colts have the most turnovers in the NFL with 30. They've allowed the second most sacks, 56. Um, the Colts' record is 62, I believe. It's going so it's, it's, it's to fall, right? I mean, it might fall next game. <laughs> Nick Foles gets another seven sacks out there. Um, the Colts have also scored the second fewest points in the NFL, 16 and a half per game. Only Denver uh, has scored fewer points and allowed more sacks. So at least we're not, you know, the Denver Broncos right now who just fired their who, who head coach. Who just fired their head coach, correct. So think things could be worse, Colts fans. Don't worry. Uh, Indianapolis has also accumulated the fifth fewest yards per game had just a hair on uh, just a hair under 310 Mike uh, this offense just looks broken beyond repair and it's it's just head scratching because there are good players on this team yeah it is and they've turned they've turned Michael Pittman into a possession receiver who gets his who just gets blasted every time he catches it and they turned him into Jack Doyle yes good old 7.9 yards Jack Doyle I mean I mean Pittman's like averaging 9.8 or whatever it is. I mean, it's crazy. 
And we knew, well, Jeff Saturday told us, one of the reasons, the primary reason they were going to Nick Foles is they needed more explosive plays. And their longest play, I believe, was 19 yards. I spend way too much time looking up numbers because I'm a numbers guy. I had that this was the first time in 52 games they didn't have at least one 20-yard completion. This is this is the NFL when you throw the ball all, all, all over your backyard. It, it's crazy. And some of those early interceptions were, were Nick Foles trying to push the ball down the field. So good. And it's kind of funny because Jeff Saturday said that they wanted to be aggressive, but when you have the early turnovers, it dissuades you from keeping it up. I'm sure Matt Ryan's going to see. Uh, yeah, now, yeah, I, I, I totally. And, and that's why I say, you know, Ryan gives him the best chance because at least he's going to make generally positive plays. He's and, and we didn't have that at all last night. Well, and he's starting to his receivers a few more times. <laughs> that's, I know. I know. So, yeah, this offense is broken, and it, it, it's beyond being fixed. This goes, you know, we say, well, you know, they haven't had Jonathan Taylor healthy all year for the most of the year, and he's on IR. So what? When he's been healthy, they've not gotten things done. And and that's not, and I'm not dissing JT at all. I, I think he's still one of the top three backs in the league. But they've turned him into just a guy, which which is pretty sad. The offensive line has been an issue all year. I will say, though, that of the seven sacks last night, maybe two, maybe three were on the offensive line. Bernhard Ryman got beat once. Uh, late, uh, uh, Braden Smith got beat on the other side. I tell you, four or five of those were on Folds, who was trying to look downfield, and somebody must have forgot to tell him that that clock that a quarterback has in his head, it doesn't really pertain to the Colts. Because you can't... Yeah, it, someone it, hits snooze on it. It, it, it. If the first or second read's not there... You, you don't. You have no time, and I thought three or four, maybe five times. It it was sort of on the quarterback, even though he's 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 probably inside saying, you know, normally I have more time to go through my progressions, and this year they can't. So it's broken. The receivers look look slow. I, I guess Paris Campbell is either a big factor or no factor. Alec. Pierce gives you some good things. Michael Pittman, again, they've turned him into just a just a possession guy. So, and the tight ends, Jelani gives you a lot. Mo Ali Cox is a tackle. I mean, he's he's turned into a tackle, and so it's it's just it's painful to watch, especially when the defense gives them every chance to do something. Uh, this offense is broken to the point that it's we're not going to. You shouldn't expect anything different over the last two games, even with Houston. So a, until they can address this in the offseason, nothing's going to change. Speaking of changes, let's talk about Jeff Saturday now. His coaching resume is looking worse than it did when he was hired, and that, and that says a lot. Um, once upon a time, he was one and zero after taking down the Raiders. 
the offense in Saturday's first game scored three whole touchdowns uh, uh, and scored. Tw- go ahead. And scored twenty-five points. Uh, pa- against uh, apparently, what happens in Vegas does stay in Vegas. <laughs> it does when it pertains to the Colts' offense, because you know by by this year's standards, those twenty-five points that was an offensive explosion. It was the second best offensive performance of the season behind their thirty-four point outing versus Jacksonville. Since that game, the Colts have lost five straight. They've scored six offensive touchdowns in five games. They've been outscored 83-3 to in the fourth quarter. And, oh, yeah, a big part of that was allowing the greatest comeback in NFL history. I just, you know, I know Jim Irsay really likes Jeff Saturday, and I also understand Jeff Saturday has 100% been put in a position to fail. I mean, him winning, uh, you know, three or four games with this team would have been a miracle. I mean, just give him the coach of the year for that. But given how badly the Colts have looked and how the, 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 the way that some of these losses have come, how can the Colts stick with Saturday beyond this season? It's a very valid question, and I can't give you an answer. All I know is I've talked to Jim Irsay on several occasions, and he really likes Jeff Saturday. He just does. Uh, he thinks he's a great leader. He's a great, a great motivator. And I agree. I, I thought from the start when Jeff was hired that there was going to be virtually nothing he could do to say, see, this is why I should be the long-term coach. I, 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 I don't know what, what, what could have happened, you know, considering the way this, this, the structure of this team. Now, he could have, like the numbers you pointed out are just incredible. I thought there was things he could do to show that he wasn't up up for the job, and and the, and, and you've made a good argument why he's not. I, I I just think that that when it comes time for the search, and they'll do all the Rooney Rule things where they talk to at least two minorities, and they'll I, hopefully they'll talk to two or three other guys, including Jeff. And I I I just. If you crept in Jim Irsay's mind, which is probably a very interesting place to be. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I just think if he is to the point where he wants Jeff Saturday to be the head coach, Jeff Saturday to be the head coach, and he won't worry about all the criticism that will come, rightly so, I think you'll rationalize by saying, well, what would you expect over the last – you know, eight games or whatever, you know, we were a mess and he brought, he started to bring discipline back to the team that was missing. And, you know, if Jim Irsay wants to go with Jeff Saturday, he will. And I think there's a part of Jim Irsay that really wants to go with Jeff Saturday. I do. I, I know people are going to be- believe that Jeff's got zero chance. That's not true. I don't know what the odds are, but but let, let's not dismiss Jeff Saturday still being here. I'm just telling you, that's how much Jim Irsay believes in him. So it's going to be very interesting, and, and I, I'm very curious the 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 how uh, what the interview process is going to include regarding candidates. 
I I hope again as I said I, I hope it includes some really experienced guys, successful guys, either at the college level or in the NFL. Maybe Jim Harbaugh. I kind of think that's a pipe dream that that's not going to happen, but but we'll see. But I'm telling you, don't rule out Jeff Saturday just because of how bad his interim stint has been. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting situation to be in, uh, unprecedented, truly, um, for Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, if he does stick around, I will say I don't think it's fair to judge his coaching ability based on the rest of this year. I mean, I'll let him put a staff together, for goodness gracious. They still don't really have an offensive coordinator. Um, Let him get some coordinators in there. I mean, I assume he'll keep Gus Bradley. The defense has been the only thing that has worked on this team. Um, But, I mean, it's going to be hard for, especially the fan base, to go into next season with a lot of hope if they stick with Saturday, um, seeing how this season has ended with Jeff Saturday. But then again, I mean, I personally like Jeff Saturday, just not that I, you know, not that he's my buddy or anything, but, you know, he, he seems like a nice guy. The motivation, um, the leadership, like, I, I believe it. I can see it. I just, it, it, sometimes it takes more than that to be an NFL head coach. If I'll say this. If Jeff Saturday is back next year, the most important thing will be his staff. It will be. Uh, again, I, may, maybe they lose a defensive guy or two. You know, everybody sort of thinks Mike Mitchell wants to get back to Pittsburgh, which which is okay. But he's got to bring in, if he's back, he's got to bring in a quality coordinator. I, I mean, a guy who, who knows what the heck he's doing and can work with a rookie quarterback and whoever the veteran is. And then you've got to reshape the entire staff. I, I mean, what they they they're, they're without the coordinator. They're without uh, Clayton Adams, and who knows if all these guys will be back or not? I mean, Reggie, I don't know. Uh, th- this isn't what Reggie signed up for. I'm telling you that right now. You might say, "Screw this." Uh, he he, he I, I I can be, you know, sipping adult drinks and in, in warm climate. I think I talked to Reggie last week. And he really, really enjoys coaching the room. He thinks he's got a really, really good room, young room. And he thinks they've gotten better. And at times you see it. You really do. But I'm telling you, this, he told us a couple of weeks ago that, you know, if somebody had told me, you know, in the offseason what was going to happen, then I wouldn't be here. You know, because this has been it's it's tough enough to be a first year head uh, position coach. It just is because you think you know what you're getting into, but you really don't know what you're getting into. And then you you on top of that, you toss the coordinator getting fired, the head coach getting fired. You know, and, and then Clayton Adams leaving. Uh, but but if Jeff's back, priority one without question it, it is putting together an offensive staff that allows you to be the head coach and do and do that. And, and maybe, you know, then you can float between the offensive rooms and the defensive rooms and all that. But but you let Gus do the defense. You let whomever do the offense. And, and then it's your job 
to get the team ready, lead practice and all that. If he's back, that's that's priority one. And priority two is down the list because priority one has got to be done. Yeah, the, the uh, offense needs fixed. I'm not sure who they're going to bring in to fix the offense. Even if Saturday stays, it won't be his primary job. But it's going to be interesting over the next several weeks to see what happens with that. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, nothing is happening at general manager's General Manager Jim Ursay came out and said that Chris Ballard will remain the GM moving forward. In an interview with ESPN, Ursay said, quote, Chris Ballard is our general or will be our general manager. He insisted that he, quote, trust Chris. No one's perfect, but I think he's one of the better general managers in the league. Ballard is under contract through 2026. The Colts are 45, 51, and 1. Since Ballard took over in 2017, they've won just four of their last 17 games, however, going back to the last season's collapse with the Raiders and Jaguars. The Colts have finished with a winning record three times since 2017, and they've made the playoffs twice. Mike, is Ursay right to stick with Ballard? I don't know. Uh, I never, I, I never want to get into the discussion of firing people and keeping it's difficult i i guess initially i'd say no you're you're asking someone to fix what he helped break uh, and that's that's as valid as you get i mean that they still haven't recovered from andrew luck they still haven't fixed left tackle in pass rush i it, it's better, but but they've missed on some on some edge pass rushers in the draft and all that. So, and, and then and then we've had discussion. Then I can argue, he's had some very very good drafts, and he and he's got very good players in place. You know the the, the Shaq Leonard and and Quentin and and you know J T and Pittman. You know, I'm not sure Pittman's a, a, a number one, but he's a solid number two, which means you need a solid number one. But I've talked to Jim Mercer in the past again, and we talked about seven days ago, and it was off the record. But I'm telling you, he, he trusts Chris Ballard. He just does. And, and is that blind trust? I don't know. But keep in mind, keeping Chris Ballard, which – He's on record as saying he will be back. He's going to have a, a couple more years at least before there's any 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 hot seat, any pressure, because they're hitting the reset button in the offseason. They just are. And people that are PO'd about 4-10-1 don't expect a heck of a lot better next year. I, I mean, unless they find that, veteran guy that can 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 bring the spark because it's 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 going to be a team in rebuild mode at at significant positions so but again all the times i've talked to jim ursay either publicly or privately he's never backed away from from his trust in chris ballard now the only question is with chris ballard coming back is if I'm Chris Ballard, <laughs> I sort of wanted to go to the owner and say, let me run the team. You know, and, and we know that there's been three or four 
significant decisions made, and Chris Ballard was not on board with all of them. So if you're going to be GM, be GM. I'm, 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 I, and I remember way back when talking to Jim Irsay when he was an, a young owner, a younger owner, and he said that from his discussions and experiences with some of the better owners in the league, the Rooney's and the Mars and, 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 and all these guys, George Young, GM-wise, he said what what's important is to put people in place, the right people in place, and let them do their jobs. Well, in a couple of major instances, he's not let Chris Ballard do his job. So I, I, I if I'm Chris, I want to have some assurance from Jim Irsay that he's going to let Chris Ballard do his job, which even if Jim Irsay says, yeah, okay, can you believe it? So, but you know, him being back, it's it's not going to be popular with the fan base. But this is Jim Irsay's team. You know, talking about you know letting someone do their job, letting the GM make the decisions. How much a part of the coaching hire do you think Chris Ballard's going to be? Because it, it I mean, in, in a way, I kind of feel bad for Chris Ballard because you know. And rightfully so in a lot of aspects, but everyone says, you know, we're keeping, the, we're asking the guy to fix what he helped break. Well, he wasn't the driving force between some of these bigger decisions. Um, the Carson Wentz, that was mostly Frank Reich. I'm not sure if it wasn't for Reich that Ballard would have made that move. Um, the co- we, we know the coaching stuff was pretty much all Ursay. Um, so it, it, it's kind of tough that, his, I don't know, legacy, his livelihood is kind of tied to making the decisions of a team when he doesn't always get to pick what happens. So we'll see if Jeff Saturday's back next year. They go into next year with a new quarterback. I mean, I think that buys um, Ballard at least a couple more seasons, two or three more seasons with a young quarterback to see what you got, see if you made the right decision at QB. Um, We'll see how that process goes. I mean, the Colts... For all the years that they've been in a quarterback market, they've not so much been in the quarterback draft market. Um, So this is really going to be the first year that Indianapolis is in that situation. You you made the the, the big point and the right point, though, is when it comes to the coaching search, the GM has has got to have a major say. If the coach and the GM don't mesh, what do you got? I mean, I, I, I go back to the, the the glory days, which seemed like forever ago. But Tony Dungy and Bill Pullian are two of the most different people to, outwardly in how they do things you can find. And it worked, but it worked. But if you've got a GM who who isn't on board with the head coach and the head coach doesn't trust the GM, it's not going to work. So at some level, Jim Irsay is going to want who he wants. But doggone, Chris Ballard has got to be on board with it or this won't work. 
Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. Let's go ahead and look at the playoff picture now. The Colts have officially been eliminated. Um, this segment, I guess, can you know, more you know I, 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 I'm sort I'm sort of sad that we no longer have that little graphic that they put up there, and they put in the hunt, and they always put the Colts in the hunt, which was I wish we were in the hunt when they had <laughs> when, when they had point two percent chance of getting in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, what was it last year? They had like a 98% chance of making the playoffs, and they squandered that, so you never know. But we do know officially now, 0% chance that the Colts will make the playoffs. Second time since 2012, the Colts finished with 10 or more losses. Second in a row, no playoffs for Indianapolis. The Colts have made the playoffs in just two of the past seven seasons. Things definitely not going as planned in Indianapolis. Or in Tennessee, because you look at the AFC South and the 7-8 and eight Jaguars take the division lead with two weeks to go. They beat the Jets on Thursday, while the Titans lost at home to the one-win Texans as rookie quarterback Malik Willis struggled mightily. Tennessee has now lost five straight, and quarterback Ryan Tannehill might be done for the season with an ankle injury. Titans at Jaguars, Week 18 will decide the AFC South champion. I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm rooting for the Jags. I've watched the, the few times I've seen Malik Willis. I tell you, he's not ready to play. He's not. And I I think we're seeing the development of the new AFC South bully in Jacksonville. I tell you, they've been the butt of jokes for so long, and they've earned it. They've earned it. But, boy, they've got – well, first they've got the quarterback. They've got the quarterback. The most important thing. Right. Yet they also have some playmakers, young playmakers on the offense, on the defense. They've got a legitimate head coach. And I, we're looking at a team that you better find a way to beat Jacksonville because now maybe they go out in Jacksonville the last two games and we'll say, yeah, that's Jacksonville. But I don't think so. Regardless, it all comes down to that last game with Tennessee, doesn't it? No matter what happens, that yeah, next week really doesn't matter too much. So, do you want do you want Trevor Lawrence or you want Malik Willis? You know, I mean, so it, it, it's it, and I tell you, we talked about this last week. If, if the AFC South, which is basically the NFC South, the way the way things have gone, if that doesn't really infuriate you about how doggone winnable this division was. But good for Jacksonville. I mean, they, they've, they've really brought it on themselves, but but they've been such a, a punchline. But they're, they're, they're fun to watch, and they're going to – if you don't find ways to beat Jacksonville, you're not going to win the AFC South. Yeah, I'm looking forward. You know, the Colts are going to compete with – an ascending Trevor Lawrence who's finally looking like the guy everyone thought he was when he was drafted number one overall. If the Colts are going to compete with that, 
uh, you know, going forward into the future, they're going to have to find a quarterback of their own to, you know, get into these duels with Lawrence to compete offensively. The Colts moved up in the draft order from sixth to fifth overall. Indy jumped the Rams after L.A. whooped the Broncos. So it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. And they, they could have been fourth if the Cardinals had beaten Tampa Bay. They My took them God, to overtime. Arizona is terrible. They are. They are. They're on their third quarterback as well. Trace McSorley out there uh, giving Tom Brady all he could handle. But at the end of the day, uh, the veteran Brady got the W. But uh, looking at the order here, Houston, 2-12-1. I'll, I'll tell you what, Colts still have a chance to end up with the first overall pick. If, they, if Indianapolis loses these next two games and Houston wins their next two games, who does Houston, they'll have who, the, who does Houston play this week? I haven't checked the schedule. Oh, I just looked at it. Let me see here. I want to say it's like he... Oh, they play the Jaguars, which they've beat once this year already. Would that be crazy? You, you end up tied with Houston. With Houston comes in here and wins. You're tied with them at, what, 4-12-1? Is that right? 4-12-1, and, and, and then they'd have the tiebreaker. Correct. Now, that would be, that'd be pretty crazy. I mean, so... You know that that'd be the way to 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 have this season have some meaning that that you were so bad at the end that you've got the first overall pick and we know what's happened with the last two first overall picks by this team ended up being pretty good pretty darn good you looking at it uh, Indianapolis is in fifth ahead of them the Cardinals fourth at four eleven uh, Seattle they have Denver's draft pick Denver is four and eleven. Chicago's three and twelve. They're number two overall, but of course they're not in a quarterback market with uh, Justin Fields having some big games this year. And then of course, like I said, Houston number one. Couple teams, you know, Atlanta has really been sliding lately. They've only got five wins, and their team who might be in a quarterback market, depending on how they feel about Desmond Ritter. So uh, if they keep losing, the Colts find a way to win one. That might be a team that gets ahead of them there as everyone scratches and claws for that quarterback. Can you imagine going into that last game to where maybe you get the first overall pick, but that means losing to Houston at home in your last game? I mean, I, it, it would be such a crazy end to the season to where you, you never want to lose your last game just because that leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. And then you'd be losing to Houston, which – it has been on a downward spiral itself, but it helps you next year in the draft. It would be a crazy final game to the season, and that's that's how the season's been. So, you know, there's always hope. <laughs> there is. That's right. Uh, looking at it, uh, before they get to Houston, they got the Giants on New Year's Day. The Giants sitting in a playoff spot right now, and they're going to do their best to keep it. So that'll be a tough one for Indianapolis. But those two games remain on the schedule. You know Jeff Saturday and company are going to do everything they can to go out there and get the W. Uh, it might not look like it, but I, I can promise you they're not trying to lose. Uh, they, like you said, I think you said last episode, Mike, they don't have to tank. They're bad enough all by themselves. Which is, which is a sad thing to say. Yep, that's not where you want to be. That's not where anyone thought this team would be at the beginning of the year. I remember 
I, I think me and you picked them to win the division. Maybe Dave picked Tennessee, and I think we were all wrong. It ended up being Jacksonville, uh, or we'll see with two weeks to go. Uh, that'll do it today for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you for sticking with us through this disappointment of a season, but there is hope on the horizon in the form of a high draft pick and hopefully a new franchise quarterback. Please subscribe and download for us week after week. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can find uh, Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 And join us Thursday as we preview the Colts versus Giants New Year's Day matchup.